Praise God that we get to worship the great I am. Um, I think of that title of Jesus, that name of God, I am, when he was being arrested that night in the garden. And they came to take him and he asked who they were looking for. Judas kissed him. They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And when he said, I am, the soldiers fell down on their backs. A great reminder to them and to us. Like he told Pilate, nobody was taking his life. He was laying it down for us. We praise his name that he's done that for us. The great I am. If you'll take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 2. As we return back to the Gospel of Mark to look at uh, the life of Jesus Christ, to understand him better and better, to see the way that, as Mark describes it, to help us understand who this Son of God is and what he's like. And this morning we want to look, uh, starting with the 18th verse, before we participate together uh, in the Lord's Supper, uh, that great time of, re- of remembering what Jesus has done for us on the cross. He introduces that subject in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 2 long before uh, he went to the cross. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Now John's disciples, that John here is John the Baptist, the one who came before the Lord Jesus. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, And on that day, they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No. He pours new wine into new wineskins. You might be thinking, wait a minute, that does not sound like the Lord's Supper. Well, it does. When you think about what Moses said in the scripture reading this morning from Exodus, when Moses said as he was pouring out the blood of the sacrifices, and he said, this is the blood of the covenant that God has made with us, And then we see Jesus sharing the cup with his disciples and saying to them, this is the cup of the blood of, excuse me, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. You see what Jesus is saying in this passage as he's answering this simple question that's being asked about fasting. People just want to know why, why is, why is Jesus doing stuff different? This is just one of the many things he did differently. 
But why, is, why are his disciples not fasting? And first of all, if you remember from studying other, um, other Gospels, Jesus talked about fasting one time in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5. And so they actually wouldn't have even known if Jesus' disciples were fasting. Because Jesus said, when you fast, don't act like it. Don't look like it. Don't whine about it. You know, the normal way of fasting, and, you, and you've experienced some, of, some fasters like this. Uh, oh, I'm dying. What? What's, what, what? What's up? Oh, I'm fasting. You know? You know? Look at me. I'm doing this great thing for God. And Jesus said, no. When you fast, wear, wear your good clothes. Put oil on your head. Wash your face. Don't don't walk around acting like you're fasting. So Jesus' disciples could have been fasting. They weren't. They could have been, though, because if they were following his instruction concerning fasting, they wouldn't have been letting everybody know it. The Old Testament has some examples of, of fasting, some great moments of fasting. You remember one of the highlights, I think, is is in Esther's crisis. Do you remember Esther's crisis? I mean, Esther was in a tough, tough spot. She was, she was going to have to go in and talk to her husband, the king, and, and he hadn't asked her to come in and talk to him. And that usually meant certain death, even for one of his wives, to come in un, unasked. But she was going to have to to save the life of Mordecai. And not just Mordecai, but all the Jews of the realm. She was going to have to. So she, she told Mordecai, she was going to tell all the people to fast. You know, it was a, it was a, a tradition. It, there's, it, we're never instructed to in the Old Testament. Never never says that people had to fast, but, but we see examples of it. And the same thing in the New Testament. Jesus explains it, doesn't command it, expects that it would happen but in this in this particular case as he's talking about fasting he's simply taking the subject that they brought up and helping them understand that he's doing things all different now the old testament he's not he's not negating the old testament and the, and the things of the old testament as 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 he said before he's coming to fulfill the old testament he's coming to take that old covenant, which was given with a specific purpose. It was a very important purpose. The old covenant was given, the old law, the law, the Old Testament was given to show the Jewish people their need for the promised Messiah. And that they needed to trust in him, the one who was going to come. And many of them did. Most of them didn't. Most of them got caught up in the, in the rules and regulations. And remember, not just in the law itself that was written, but also in the rules and the regulations that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the scribes added on to it. They got caught up into those things, and they didn't see the real purpose of it. They'd lost sight of it. But when Jesus came, he said, I'm coming to fulfill all of that. And then he says, don't, don't look to the old for what only the new can bring you. You see, Jesus was, was all that we need. Jesus was going to fulfill everything for the Jews. He was going to provide everything for the Gentiles. He was going to be the Savior of all. 
And he was, and he was trying to help them to see they've got to let go of their old way of looking at it. They've got to look to him for what they need. And that's why he gave the example of the old, of the, of the, the unshrunk piece of, of fabric being put onto a, a garment that had already done its shrinking. And, you know, now this is something that we don't do anymore. You know, patches. Patches used to be cool, okay? Back in the day. Now holes are cool, all right? You would be, you would be, I mean, you pay money for good holes. Why would you, you know, why would you patch it? You know, other than the fact, as Jesus said here, if you do patch it with the wrong stuff, it'll make the hole even worse. So you might want to do that. You can make your clothes even more valuable with bigger holes than they, than they started with. But the, the point he's making is, is very simple. You, you can't mix the two. You can't do both. You can't trust, as, as many of them were, you can't trust in your ability to follow the law and Jesus. You can't. First of all, nobody ever was saved by following the law because no one ever followed it well enough. The Apostle James says, if you break the law in one point, you've broken it all. Who can even look at just the Ten Commandments, the, the foundation of all the law? Who can just look at those, those ten things and say, well, I've done all of those perfectly? None of us. None of us. We've all broken not just one, but we've broken multiple laws. And then not just the laws written in the Old, Te- Old Testament covenant, but also the law of the, the, that he's written on our hearts. The people that don't have any knowledge of God's word know that there's a right and wrong. God puts that in us when he, when he gives us life. And none of us even live up to that law. Nobody was ever justified by following the law, by doing things in the law. They were justified by faith that God would forgive them through the one who is going to come and fulfill the law, and that's who Jesus is announcing himself to be. As he, as he tells them, that my disciples aren't going to fast because I'm here. Why would they fast? Look who's here. And they're saying, yeah, that, that's what we're doing, and we, we're, not, we're not so crazy about what we see. They, they were missing who he was because they were expecting somebody that was going to follow the old rules, do things just like they've always done them. And he's saying, that's not the case. I am coming to fulfill all of that. And so don't try to mix, mix me with that. A number of the letters in the New Testament are written on this very subject. The letter to the Galatians, the letter to the Hebrews, was written on this, on this very subject of, of people that were trying to, to make everything within Christianity fit into the Old Testament law. In fact, trying to make people become Jewish before they could become Christians. And, and Jesus and the apostles said, no. It's not necessary. In fact, you can't do it. Our trust, our faith, is not in our ability to, to fulfill the law ourselves. Our trust, our faith, is in Jesus' ability to do it for us. So when we trust in him, we have fulfilled all the law. Because he's the one who could do it. He's the one who did it. And then he instituted this great 
great supper. He started that, that night of Passover, the first night of Passover, before he was crucified. When he, when he told his disciples, when you take this bread, remember, this is my body broken for you. Again, he told them numerous times that he was going to die. Told them numerous times that he was going to rise from the dead. They were, they were oblivious to it. He said, I'm going to tell you again, this is my body broken for you. When they saw him on the cross, they were supposed to think, he's doing that for us. This is what he was talking about. Now, even at that point, they were still having a hard time. They were in such shock, they couldn't see what was, what was going on. But when he rose again and appeared to them, then their eyes were opened. And they started to understand. But not only did he say, when we take the bread, to remember his broken body, he also said of the cup, as Mark read from from the passage in Luke, this cup is the blood, or this, this cup is the blood of the new covenant in my blood. That's what this is about. All those, all those lambs that were slaughtered over all those centuries, all of those lambs, all of those doves, all of those bulls, all of those goats, all of these different animals that were sacrificed, particularly the lamb, all of them pointed to one sacrifice. The sacrifice of the new covenant. The covenant that, that lets us know that God has taken care of everything. That's what it means when we say that Jesus is sufficient for us. He's enough for us. We don't add one thing to what he's done for us. And you can't believe that and think that you also have to do this, 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 and this to measure up to God's standard, to be justified by God. You can't do both. You have to decide, and that's why he's saying here, you cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. It won't work. The new wine isn't finished yet. The new wine still has some expansion to do. And that old wineskin has already stretched to its, to its limit. So when the wine starts to expand, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow up. It's going to be a mess. It won't work. And that's what he's saying. You have to put your trust in Jesus. Don't trust any longer. Again, it was a misunderstanding that they were having in the law anyway. You can't trust in your ability to live up to the law. You can't trust in your, in your willingness to, to do these, these certain regulations. And that's what this fasting was about. Some of the Pharisees and some of the, uh, you know, some of the other leaders were saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to set a fast every Tuesday, every Friday. We're going to fast. All right? And that's what they did. They said, forget that stuff. That's not even what fasting was about anyway. Forget that stuff. Put your trust in me. I'm the bridegroom that has come. Celebrate the fact that I'm here. Now, how many did that? Not too many. So few, in fact, that the way John put it in the first part of his gospel, when he says in, in John 1.10, he says, 
Jesus came unto his own. Excuse me, in verse 11. Jesus came unto his own, but his own did not receive him. Most of the people that heard this message that he was talking about being the bridegroom, most of these people who heard this message about the old wine and the new wine, and they, they didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't see him as the all-sufficient Savior. But John said this about those who did. He said, but those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. See, not people who are trying to live up to the, to the regulations of law, trusting in that. But people who were trusting in the one who is to come, the promised Messiah, who would fulfill the law and forgive them of their sins. Those are the ones who received him. Those are the ones who believed in his name. And those are the ones who get to be called the children of God. And that's what we have to ask ourselves. Why can we call ourselves the children of God? Because we're pretty good people? Because we're better than the average person? We're certainly better than the average criminal? Because we do some good things? As Bill was up here praying and, and thanking God for the offering, because we give some money, which goes and does some good things? We saw some slides in one of the songs this, this morning of as, as we're talking about going out and, and proclaiming his name in the, among the nations. We saw a, you know, a picture of Sam with a group, I, I think, from... Uh, Sam, where was that group from that the picture was in? Burundi. Burundi. So I saw that group that, that Sam was ministering to in, in Burundi, you know, helping them translate the Bible into the sign language of the Burundians. Pretty cool. We do enough of that? Does that give us good standing with God? No, it doesn't. Never has, never will. Our standing with God comes through faith in Jesus Christ, his son, the bridegroom who came. Believing that God sent his son to come into this world, to live it perfectly. Again, that's, that's just a mind-blowing thought. He was able to do it because he's the son of God. But he never sinned, not once. Never gave in to the temptations that we give in to. Never, not once. What's, what, I mean, what's the most amazing of, of, of all those? There's pretty many. But th- just think about it. He never complained. Think about that. He never complained one time. That, that's a, that, that alone would have been amazing. But then you go on. He was never greedy. He was never proud. He was always humble. Even though he had every reason in the world, in the universe, to be proud, he humbled himself and lived a humble life completely and totally, never did anything out of selfish ambition. Not one time. Kids, one of the amazing things that you can think of, he always obeyed his parents. Every single time. And I know some of you are really good at it, but not perfect. You know what that means? You need him. 
you need to trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins because he did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. See, that's what he does. He forgives us of all of our sins, and then because he's alive, he can send the Holy Spirit to live in us and make us the righteousness of God. It's an amazing thing. That's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, so that we can stand before God, so that we can be welcomed into God's glory for all eternity. Only through Jesus. And that's what we're going to remember this morning when we participate together in this celebration of the Lord's Supper. And if the, if the men who are going to give out the elements could, could gather, I want, this is what we need to remember. This is a celebration of the new wine and the, and the new piece of cloth that should have been put with other new material. We're celebrating the new covenant this morning. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus fulfilled the old covenant and gave us a new one that was all based on him. And right now, you're going to receive a, 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 a little piece of bread, a little piece of unleavened bread. And so I want to make it clear to you, you don't have to be a member of Midway Community Church to celebrate this with us this morning. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you're trusting in him, then we encourage you to take one of these little pieces of bread and hold it for a moment as we listen to some music and think about things. Because God tells us in his word that when we participate in this supper, and you guys can go ahead and, and and begin to pass it out. As we participate in this supper, he wants us to think about the fact that Jesus died for our sins. And so we take a moment in silence. And we, and we thank God for his forgiveness. Maybe confess some sins if we have some that we haven't confessed. But let's take a moment, take a piece of bread and hold it, and then we'll eat of it together as we celebrate what God has done for us in Christ.